and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, a podcast aimed at making your quilting life more fun and creative while connecting with quilters just like you. Join the staff of the magazines you love for a great episode filled with tips and tricks. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland and I'm so excited to be here with you. Can you believe that we're entering a new year in a few days? A new year always makes me think just how far we've all come. I was actually just thinking the other day as I was cutting fabric that the rotary cutter wasn't invented until 1979, only about 40 years ago. And now we have die cutters and fancy computerized machines and online shopping for fabric and supplies. It's just so amazing to think about, um, especially since many of these things have made sewing easier and more accessible to many quilters. Even your smartphone or computer, these are things that until recently didn't have a place in quilting. And now my job is literally as a digital editor of a quilting magazine. So technology has really become more prevalent in our sewing lives, and I'm certainly thankful for the opportunities it has brought me. I thought it would be fun on today's show to talk about different apps on your phone or computer that can be used in your sewing room. You may already use some of these often, but some of these I hadn't heard of before or hadn't really considered the app's use in my sewing life, so it's been a fun topic to explore. First, let's talk entertainment. Many quilters like to listen to music, podcasts, or audiobooks while they sew. I know I like to do all of these things, but only when I don't need to use my brain too much. (laughs) But I love listening to audiobooks, especially when I'm doing a repetitive part of the quilting process, such as chain piecing, um, trimming or pressing a lot of blocks, or even machine quilting. It keeps my mind occupied, and I feel like I'm multitasking, so I don't feel as bad about spending hours in my sewing space. Some recommended apps from our staff are the podcast app, or Stitcher, to listen to podcasts, Pandora or Spotify to listen to music, and Audible, Overdrive, or Libby to listen to audiobooks. And almost all of these apps have free versions, which is just a bonus. Next, let's touch on social media. I know quilters love to see pictures of other people's projects and share their own. Social media is a great way to connect with quilters from all over the world. You can chat, ask questions, learn from others, and just expand your exposure to different types of quilts. Apps like Pinterest allow you to browse and search for patterns and tutorials. YouTube is an ideal place to learn and see tutorials and classes. And Instagram and Facebook are where all my quilty friends live. So it's like having your own quilting group in the palm of your hands. You can follow quilt shops, designers, fabric companies, and more to keep up with their offerings, shop their products, and see cute projects. I especially love the use of quilting groups on Facebook. We have a few of our own for our UFO challenge, quilt alongs, and our block of the month, but there are 
thousands of quilting groups on Facebook for anything you can think of. You can search for groups around a specific topic, such as um, antique quilts, applique, wool projects, quilt as you go. I mean, there's no end. So if you are passionate about a topic and want to connect with others, search on Facebook for a few to join. Your camera app on your phone is probably another one you use often in your sewing room. Maybe you use it to take pictures of finished projects to share on social media. Maybe you use it to remember fabric placement or block placement in your project in case things get out of order while you're pressing or sewing. But here's a few other ways I've heard of quilters using the camera app that I think is clever. I've heard that some quilters take pictures of the fabrics they're using for a project so that next time they're shopping, they can find matching fabrics for the backing or binding. Some smartphones have camera apps that let you draw on top of the pictures. And this is great when planning your machine quilting designs. You can take a picture of your quilt or even just one block and doodle on it to try out different designs or even practice the design multiple times before taking the quilt to your machine. And I've heard from other quilters that they take a picture of the quilt laid out before sewing it together because seeing it on your phone's screen can help you spot any blocks turned the wrong way or any fabric placement you don't like um, better than maybe seeing it up close and in person. And I know this one to be true. I use this trick all the time. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I see things on the picture that I took that I would never have noticed in person, um, such as blocks in the wrong order or I make a lot of scrappy quilts, so I like to make sure that my colors or my contrast is balanced around the quilts um, so you can really see that in a photo. So many times I'll go through five or six different pictures of a quilt, moving things around in between until I love how it looks and I'm comfortable with the placement. And similar to a camera app, there are many color apps available that can be helpful in planning colors for a quilt. Ones like Pantone Studio, Color Inspiration Tool, and Color Viewfinder all allow you to upload photos you love to the app. So they could be photos you've taken yourselves, um, maybe pictures of artwork you love, other photos you find online. And then it tells you what colors are in the photo so that you can create a color palette. Many times, if you are drawn to a picture, it's likely that the colors work together in a pleasing way. So these apps can help you more easily identify the colors. So you can choose those from your stash or the store. Now we couldn't talk quilting without talking math. So for many quilters, math is a dreaded topic, uh, but we may need to figure out yardage or the best way to cut our fabrics for little waste. Maybe how many binding strips we need, how, many, how much backing fabric we need to buy. I mean, I could go on and on. <laughs> um, and I was a journalism major in college, and I thought I would never need to do math again. So boy, was I wrong. Uh, but now I have all these quilting formulas just ingrained in my brain, and I can do math like it is no one's business. Um, so I use the calculator app on my phone very often. And then I just will jot down the numbers or measurements on a piece of paper. Um, But if you are math averse, 
try the Robert Kaufman Quilting Calculator, which does the math for you for many different calculations and formulas. So I know that app is a favorite from many people I've talked to. For project tracking, there are a few options available. So you can use your notes app on your phone. Um, so that's an easy place to write down to-dos, deadlines, notes about a project. You can add photos into the note. Um, you could even use it to keep track of individual projects or UFOs. Um, I, I like to use the to-do listing in notes because it allows you to check things off, which to me is just so satisfying to, you know, check it off on your phone. But there's also an app I found called Quiltful. Uh, I've never used it, um, so I can't speak on behalf of it, but it looks fun. Um, it's a quilt project tracker that lets you, um, it looks like it lets you upload photos of a project and then add notes, um, cross things off, set deadlines and priorities. So that might be worth trying out. And one last common app I've heard people using in their sewing space is the timer app. So some quilters um, on our staff use it as a form of motivation uh, for parts of the process they're avoiding or even projects that they're dragging their feet on. So you can set a timer for um, you know, maybe say 15 or 20 minutes and then get as much work done as possible in that amount of time before moving on to a project that excites you a little more. So it's a clever way to force yourself to accomplish something in little bursts of time. And while it's great that we have so much technology in our hands, these are just ideas. You may take the opposite approach and say that your sewing time is your relaxation time. It's a time to just unwind and disconnect. And that's amazing too. You know, just turn your phone off and get lost in a project. Um, we all need time like this to be creative and healthy. So I'd love to know which apps you use in your sewing room, or better, uh, what apps you wish they made. I heard from one listener that said they would love an app that tells them when your bobbin is about to run out. <laughs> so this could just be a little funny, funny email. So you can email me your ideas um, at apqpodcast at meredith.com. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, I'm sharing a quilting mistake and we're learning some thrifty sewing tips. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. It's time for Mistakes I Made This Month, a segment where our, sh our staff shares something they did wrong, uh, both as a way to kind of commiserate with other quilters um, and also share the lesson they learned so that others don't make the same mistake. And it's my turn to share this month. So a few months ago, I made my mom a Christmas quilt and my mom has very particular tastes for her decor. So I had a long list of requirements for this Christmas quilt, including 
fabrics, colors, design, and size. So after searching for a long time for the right project, I decided to just make up my own pattern. And it was just a modern design uh, featuring rows of offset strips in a few different sizes and color arrangements. And my mom loved it. And I was thrilled. Um, my mom lives six hours away from me. So I sent the quilt on its way to her. Um, and I didn't even snap a picture. Um, and then I threw all of my notes away about this quilt. Because it was finished. I didn't plan to make another one. I was, I was done. Well, a few weeks ago, I was chatting with my mom and she asked if I could make her a set of matching throw pillows to match her new Christmas quilt. Of course I could. I had a lot of the fabric left over, um, but I didn't have the pattern or any of my notes anymore. So I ended up having my mom send me a picture of the quilt and she had to take some measurements for me on the strip sizes so I could recreate the design for her pillows. And I ended up having to redo some of the math and my sketches, which took time. And I just had some frustrations with myself because it would have been so much easier if I had just kept my notes. And I draft my own patterns for things pretty frequently. Um, and I've never saved notes after I finished the quilt. Um, and I've never needed my notes again until right now. <laughs> so lesson learned. Um, I might just need to get a folder to start gathering my sketches and designs in for future reference. Uh, nothing fancy because I literally just jot down all of my notes on graph paper, post-it notes, or whatever I have lying around. Um, but I might need to start being a little more organized in case I need them ever again. Okay, now I'm handing the mic over to Joanna, the editor of Quilts and More for So Thrifty a segment where we share money-saving tips for your sewing room. Take it away, Joanna. Today for So Thrifty, we're going to talk about creative ways that you can use your sewing hobby and items to save money outside of the sewing room. You might be surprised how useful sewing items can be, even if you aren't actually doing any sewing. For example, been doing a lot of cleaning lately as I prep for the holidays and family visits, and as I've tidied up my sewing space, I realized that my small batting scraps made excellent dust cloths. I had never thought of using them for anything other than stuffing pin cushions or saving them up for coasters that I just never get around to making. It made me take a look at other slightly unorthodox uses there might be for sewing notions and scraps when taken out of the sewing room. So here are five tips, besides the batting one I just mentioned, for using those sewing items around the house to save you a little bit of money. Number one, scraps of fabric cut into long strips have many uses, both inside and outside. So in the spring, take your scraps out into the garden, cut them into long strips of fabric, and then use those strips to tie back tomatoes or other top-heavy plants to stakes or cages in the garden. This is an excellent use besides for things like the standard twine, and plus they're really pretty, which adds a nice pop of color to your garden. Inside the house, a long scrappy strip can be used to tie together charging and power cords if you have a jumble of them cluttering up your desk. 
There are cute patterns for how to make fabric ties with Velcro, but honestly, just tying the scrap around a bundle of cords can do in a pinch. Basically, in most situations where you need to tie something back, try a piece of scrap fabric and see if it works. I even use them to tie back my hair sometimes if I can't find a scrunchie near my sewing area. Number two. In the dining room, make reusable napkins that will save you money on paper products. Hem squares of fabric to make cloth napkins that can be washed and reused. Plus, they're much prettier than ugly paper ones. Traditionally, cloth napkins are at least 14 inches square, uh, sometimes a little bit bigger, like 16 or 18 inches square, depending. Um, but there's nothing to stop you from making smaller ones if you happen to have smaller scraps. Think of it like making cocktail napkins, but, you know, in fabric. Number three. If you'd love to decorate for the holidays, make festive garlands by cutting up scraps into skinny strips and then tying them to a string or bundling them into tassels and then attaching those tassels to a string. You can buy garlands like this in stores, but they're so easy to make using your leftover fabric, thread, and yarn that there's really no reason that you have to buy them if you don't want to. You can customize them to match your decor and they really are just a beautiful way to add a bit of accent to your decorations. If you need to decorate for a party, which usually involves decorating a large space, use these garlands to fill up a lot of that space based on how long you make the garland or how big you make the tassels. These garlands can often do a better job than cray paper, even if they take a little bit longer to make. And as a bonus, you can use them again for later parties. I like to take a string of the garland for each holiday and string it across my fireplace mantle. Number four, empty cardboard bolts from fabric can be used for storage. If you have room for them in your closet or other storage area, try wrapping spare sheets or tablecloths on empty fabric bolts to keep them from getting too wrinkled while they're not in use. This can be especially handy if you have tablecloths that are for a specific holiday. It doesn't happen too frequently that I polish off a bolt while I'm at the store, but when it does happen, I've started to politely ask if I can keep the bolt when I make my purchase. I found a lot of stores don't mind if you wanna take them home. Some even have empty bolts lying around that they're willing to part with. Of course, when you get home, you can always use those empty bolts to store any fabric yardage you might have in your stash taking up space. And finally, number five, similar to empty bolts, empty thread spools are great for keeping smaller items from getting tangled. Depending on the size of the spool, I like to wrap my necklaces around them when I'm traveling so that the change, chains don't get tangled up in my jewelry organizer. It really has saved me a lot of headaches trying to unpick knots in jewelry chains. You can also use those spools for odds and ends like remnants of yarn, embroidery floss, or gift wrapping ribbon. So there are five separate ways that you can use these items outside the sewing room and keep in mind that there are even more possibilities out there. Take a look around your own sewing area and see how many creative ways you can use your sewing and sewing items to save a little bit of money and solve some household needs in the process.
Thanks, Joanna. I always love these tips. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're sharing tips for labeling quilts and how to store wool projects. Welcome back. So back in episode 534, we chatted about the importance of documenting your quilts and labeling them. And we got a lot of great feedback about that episode. Um, and one listener emailed in with a few of her own ideas for labeling her quilts that we thought were so amazing that we wanted to share them with everyone. So Deb Patterson from Minnetonka, Minnesota, wrote us the following email. Your recent show about documenting quilts struck a chord with me, and I had to weigh in. As quilters, we recognize the importance of documenting our work, and I have found that recipients also value the recognition of their occasion and the thought put into the gift. Since almost everything I make is gifted, I am used to adding a label. They have evolved over the years, but in general include the name of the recipient, occasion, date, location, and often a little message and the name of the quilt. I usually design the label on the computer, print it off, and use a light box to transfer the information to a piece of fabric with Pigma pen. The label is edged with fabric from the quilt and hand sewn to the back. I have also used printable fabric to include a photo on the label, particularly for memory quilts. For smaller projects, I use the letters and numbers built into my machine and sew my name and the year onto the binding. I always take a picture so I have a record once the item is gifted. Thank you for your email, Deb. Uh, I want to highlight a few things she said. I especially love her idea of printing a photo on the label for memory quilts. I think that's such a meaningful gesture, and it's just that extra special touch for the recipient. And not only then will they be wrapped in love from the memory quilt, but will also have that photo reminder of the person and that happy time to comfort them. I also love the idea of sewing your name and year onto the binding. So she actually sent a picture in of a recent finish in which she did this. And when you turn the quilt to the back on the binding is her name and the year stitched with letters from her machine. Um, it's simple, but it's so effective and it looks so professional. So she has stitched them close to the folded edge of what I think is double fold binding so that when you fold that edge over to the back of the quilt for hand stitching, the stitched name and year appears right by the fold. So if you haven't already listened to episode 534, dive right in because it's a great episode and you may want to put some of these things into practice at the start of a new year. Now it's time for Ask Us Anything, a segment where we answer our listeners' most pressing quilting questions. And today's question is from Paula Alden, and she says, I'd love to make some wool felt projects, but I'm concerned about how to care for or store the finished projects. Since I grew up hearing how hard wool is to care for, I'd love some tips. So I love this question, and Paula, you should definitely try out wool felt projects. Um, and storage is actually a lot easier than some people may have told you. So if you're working with 
100% wool or even a wool felt blend. Um, those fibers are actually really durable in finished projects because wool naturally resists water. So you're less likely to have issues with mold and mildew. Um, there are some bugs that like to eat wool though. So we do suggest storing your wool uh, projects or your felting supplies flat in a plastic container with a lid. And this will also help keep your wool projects free from dust too. Spot washing wool felt projects, especially 100% wool, is recommended because machine washing can ruin some felts. Um, but generally, wool felts are really tightly woven and they shouldn't resist stains and kind of an accumulation of dirt and dust. So if possible, you can look up the manufacturer's instructions for how to wash your particular felt. But generally, you could just take um, a little, you know, washcloth and spot clean or just uh, use um, like a sticky roller to take dust or dirt away and that should work fine. And also it's likely that if you're working with 100% wool felt, you're making a project that's probably smaller, like a table mat or a wall hanging. So it, it may not get as dirty as other projects in your home. So cleaning and storing safely should be easier. Now, if you're making a larger project, like maybe you're adding wool appliques to a throw or a bed size quilt, you might wanna opt for a wool blend felt and then pre-wash the felt um, because it does shrink about three to 5%. Um, but wool blends are easier to combine with other types of fabrics. They hold up a little better to washing um, and can hold up to wear and tear. Um, but these wool blends are a little prone to pilling if you use them a lot. So when you store your quilts, um, if you can't fit them in you know, a plastic container to keep them safe, fold the quilt so that the wool is wrapped inside and is protected. See, it's not too much different than how you might care for or store your regular cotton quilts. I always love getting reader questions. So if you have one to ask, email me at apqpodcast at meredith.com and we will answer yours on an upcoming show. Now, before we leave, I wanted to read a review we got from our podcast. And this one is from Tazzy12. And they say, I look forward to this every Monday morning. I have learned so much about various aspects of quilting, things I didn't even know I wanted to know. I'm hooked. Host Lindsay does a fantastic job and her voice, so soothing. I have been known to listen to the same podcast multiple times. It's a wonderful companion in my sewing room. On a practical note, the sewing tips have helped me grow in my technical abilities. I'm very grateful for the variety of guests that exposed me to new ideas. Thanks, APQ Podcast. And thank you, Tazzy12, for your nice review. So if this review is yours, shoot me an email at apqpodcast at meredith.com so I can send you a little gift to say thank you. And of course, if you love the show, please rate and review it. It helps other quilters find us so we can continue to build the best quilting community. Everyone have a happy New Year's and a wonderful start to 2022.
all, and thanks for listening. Keep in touch. American Patchwork and Quilting is on Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram at All People Quilt. Email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com. Resources for this week can be found at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast. And if you love the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app for free. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week.